Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is All American Stud, Jonathan Taylor. I'm melting faces in the NFL, and you're listening to the best in the business. My man, the Podfather. He knows things. This is the decision point with Anand and Durian on, and we're breaking down these divisions. And I found a division to talk about the AFC that is exciting. It is uh, being dismissed as you know, not having a contender. I think the, the best team in this division is plus 2,500 to win the Super Bowl. It's the AFC South. But here is where you have some value, the sports books, like on BetMGM. Talk to us about the AFC South and what you're expecting. I think this division is fun for this year, but really fun going forward. You have an established favorite in Jacksonville. When was the last time you said those words out loud? Oh, well established now. Yeah, let's look at the, we can look at the lines. Look at the lines, okay? You look at the lines. To win the Super Bowl. Right, Super Bowl odds. We'll just pick uh, BetMGM because uh, they're they're good to us. And if you, you love the underworld, support BetMGM. The promo code there is Underworld. Okay, we'll we'll give this out again later. But you get up to a thousand paid back in bonus bets if you don't win on BetMGM with code Underworld. And the Super Bowl odds are plus 2,500 for the Jacksonville Jaguars there. And then you keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling down to the Colts are plus 10,000. And this is interesting. And this is foreboding. We're going to be coming back to this. Titans are plus 12,500. So the Colts are actually giving less money, netting you less profit should they win the championship than the Titans on BetMGM. In fact, the spread there is super wide. The spread is actually the widest on points bet. On points bet, it is Colts plus 8,000, Titans plus 15,000. So 80 to 1 versus 150 to 1. So the spread is almost double on points bet where, where the money is on the Colts, not on the Titans. The Titans have almost double the odds. It's, it's incredible. And then you get all the way down to the Texans. They're right there with the Cardinals at 200 to 1. And that's just wasted money. That's lighting money on fire. 
Woo! Yeah, the the we we should start off by talking about Houston. I think just because amongst everyone, they had the most work to do. Um, this was amongst the worst teams in football last year, and really a random week 18 win <laughs> cost them the number one overall pick. And we know how much they liked Bryce Young. They ended up with CJ Stroud and Will Anderson. It's well-documented. We've talked about it. We've discussed why we didn't love the asset allocation there, but two really good football players at two really important positions in quarterback and edge rusher. This roster is better than people think it is. It's just kind of, Hey, Houston sucks is the narrative. And at receiver, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. At receiver, Houston sucks. They might, that might be the worst receiving room in the league, but at quarterback, we've seen what Stroud can do. We hope that it translates to the next level, but until we see it, that that's just projection. And and that's not something that we can comfortably sink our teeth into yet. This offensive line is good. The, the, The Houston Texans offensive line is good. They got a premier edge rusher, which, you basically need to contend in any facet at this point. And the team is young and exciting. There, it, there's no cloud looming over anymore of Jack Easterby. Bill O'Brien is gone. They're just fun. And they don't have to be great this year. All you want to see from Houston this season is our young players are getting better week to week to week to week. There are going to be some really ugly C.J. Stroud games as he adjusts to the NFL. There are going to be some really pretty C.J. Stroud games. The same is probably going to be true for Mechie when he gets back on the field. The same is going to be true for a lot of these young players. Will Anderson's going to flash and have some really, really spectacular games. And there are going to be some games where he struggles. This team has, 2023 does not matter for this team about anything other than simply, what do we have here? What can we go forward with knowing what we have? Do we have a top five edge rusher in the league potentially in Will Anderson? Do we have a top 10 edge rusher in the league? Do we have a young quarterback that can get to where Deshaun Watson was for us a few years ago? Do we have a receiver that breaks out? Damian Pierce, obviously, is a semi-known quantity from last year. There's a lot to like about his game. But overall, this team's forecast for this year is figure out what we are going forward. Because 2023 for this team really does not matter in terms of wins and losses. And it really, really doesn't matter because they traded away their first-round pick. Oh, stop. (laughs) Yeah. Stop. Now, I, I I have thoughts on the Texans after this. Oh, baseball season's heating up. It's all about baseball right now. You know, eh, baseball, baseball. Yeah, baseball is the most exploitable of the sports, especially on Rival Fantasy, rivalfantasy.com. Go there now. They have the fantasy book where you can take over under a certain number of fantasy points, and they have challenges where you can take player X or player Y. I get great pleasure out of fading Mike Trout into oblivion. And then don't forget about Fantasy Bingo, where you can say, okay, I think Acuna's going to steal a base today. I think that Freddie Freeman's going to have two hits based on the matchup. The lefty-righty and the pitcher-quality matchups that you could exploit are unlike any other sport. Go to RivalFantasy.com, 
Use the promo code PLAYER. They refund any losses up to 50 bucks, and they are a great supporter of Player Profiler. Everything we do, this show in particular, is only possible because of Rival, RivalFantasy.com. The promo code is PLAYER. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Houston Texans are interesting in that you have an underrated quarterback, and C.J. Stroud is underrated. How can the second... Uh, drafted player in the NFL draft be underrated? Well, by the numbers, C.J. Stroud is the best. When you look at his yards, when you look at his touchdown-to-interception ratio in particular, look at his efficiency metrics, his advanced efficiency metrics, it's just incredible. Oh, but all the receivers he had. So finding reasons to dismiss all of these video game stats that C.J. Stroud is putting up, and then somehow uh, ignoring the receivers and ignoring the supporting cast for Bryce Young and ignoring the fact that he's 5'11". The, the beauty of C.J. Stroud is he's more athletic, he's faster, and much bigger than Bryce Young with similar statistics and efficiency metrics, and yet he went after Bryce Young. So I am projecting Houston as if they got the best quarterback in the draft. And they already had two of the best tackles in the draft, right? So they they already have two of the best tackles in the sport, right? There were, what, there were like two or three better tackle tandems in the league. I don't even, I don't even know if you can go that far. I mean, their, their tackles are excellent. So they're going to give CJ Stroud time to throw. They have Mechie coming back. He's a second round pick. They've got a proper X in Nico Collins. This is a weak receiving core. No one's saying this is a great receiving core. It's one of the worst in the league. They did sign Dalton Schultz, who is a cardboard cutout replacement level player. And when he tries to play up, when these types of players try to play up a level and change the game, you saw what happened in the playoffs. He steps out of bounds when very few starting tight ends in the league would have done that. Doesn't get upfield to keep the, the clock running. So big fail in the playoffs by Dalton Schultz. I understand that, but... There are competent pass catchers. Damian Pierce is an all-purpose back. They've invested in the defense. Will Anderson, it was a terrible trade-up. Just one of the more negligent, irresponsible moves by an NFL front office. Going to be bottom 10 in the league this year, and we're not going to have our first-round pick. That's just front office malpractice. And yet they did get Will Anderson out of it. So they are upgrading. They're upgrading across the board. So I would be careful. I would be careful taking the under on Houston, even though it seems like an easy under. Like, that's the thing. At first, you look at their over-under win total, and you're like, wait a second. Houston, six and a half across the board, 
right? And of course, it's negative odds, right? You can't, you're not going to get good odds uh, on uh, going under. You take the over, you get plus odds, right? It's, uh, I think the best odds are on Caesars plus 120 to take over six and a half. Over is a tall order. Over six and a half means they have to win seven games. But I'd, I'd rather do that just because of the schedule. I'd rather just go and try to get plus odds than take a chance that they're going to go under six and a half when the public is rushing to this what looks like an easy bet. But when you, the schedule, they got Baltimore, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, right? So AFC grudge match game against Baltimore, then two divisional games against the Colts and the Jaguars. Then it's Pittsburgh, it's Atlanta, it's New Orleans, it's Carolina, it's Tampa. All winnable games. Cincinnati at Cincinnati, that's a loss. Arizona, another winnable game. Then it's Jacksonville, Denver, New York. Then Tennessee, Cleveland, Tennessee again, and Indianapolis. A lot of winnable games on the schedule. Too many winnable games for me to feel any way confident taking negative odds on the under six and a half. I'm not doing it on it. I'm not doing it. Going three and 14 is kind of hard to do. It's not often that teams are that bad consistently. The early 2010s Browns, the exception, obviously. It's it's tough to just assume that a team that's three and 14 that adds a legitimate franchise quarterback, that adds a legitimate edge rusher, that hires a coach that seems to know what he's doing, that has two talented offensive tackles, that has a running back they seem to found that they like, and goes out and gets a tight end. There's a lot to like about what Houston's trying to do. It's just a matter of what does that all look like when you put it together? Because there are so many new parts here. Basically, a bet on Houston's under win total is a bet that either Stroud is not what we think he is, or this team just never comes together. Whether it's injuries, whether it's you know odd coaching fit, whatever the reason is. It's basically betting either that Stroud is not that guy or that this team will not come together at some point. Because there are a lot of winnable games on that schedule. And, you know... I'm not saying that they, this team has the best depth in the world, but part of it is just luck. C.J. Stroud is a number one overall quarterback talent. That's the caliber of player he is. And that guy who has running ability, that guy who can run for first downs, and I think C.J. Stroud is going to run a lot more in the NFL than he ever did in college, similar to Justin Fields from Ohio State. Ohio State disincentivizes the run, actively tells their quarterbacks not to run. So you haven't seen how athletic C.J. Stroud is. Like You're going to see it this year because he is going to have to pull it down and run because there's going to be a plenty of plenty of downs and distances where Collins is not open and Schultz can't separate. Plenty of instances for Stroud to, to pull it down and run. And for all their mistakes, for all the Texans' mistakes, when we talk about their twin tackles, everyone knows Laramie Tunsil because they gave up way too much to get him. Three first-rounders to get Laramie Tunsil. Remember that. Three first-rounders. So the, the beauty of their two tackles is one is a cautionary tale for overpaying for the right to overpay for a player, right? You, you trade too many picks for the right to overpay for a player. Don't do that. Titus Howard, the right tackle, is exactly what you want to do. He was Christian Derrissaw before Christian Derrissaw. And this is a small school player, a small school lineman with the athletic profile, again, 88th percentile speed score, and 
the the sheer size at 6'5", 320, that you would only get that guy if he went to Alabama State. If he went to Alabama, he's a top 10 pick. If he goes to Alabama State, you can get him with a 23rd pick. So this was one of the genius picks in the last 10 years was Titus Howard in the 20s in the first round. This is exactly what we're looking at. Every five years, you're going to get one of these guys. Derisaw is the most recent, where you get a franchise tackle outside the first 20 picks, and it's always the guy with the size and the athleticism from the small school. I don't know how the hell they stumbled upon this guy. This is just not a typical... Houston Texans type pick. This is this is a this is a super savvy pick, right? Uh, so I'm I was shocked that when they made the pick, uh, I was impressed, and he's has impressed in the league. Uh, he could uh, he's one of the best of the position, one of the best right tackles in the league. So for all of their mistakes, these teams do hit on players now and again with good process, and that was one of them. The the most important thing that you touched on there, obviously the tackles will help. He's not going to be running for his life like he was against Georgia, hopefully. But we've talked about this before. Just because someone hasn't shown you they can do something doesn't mean they can't do it. You see it in little glimpses. It was Marcus Arroyo getting let go at Oregon, and Justin Herbert in that Rose Bowl finally showed you the athleticism that we knew he had, but that no one asked him to portray. CJ's in that same way is capable of doing something that you haven't seen him do. Justin at Ohio State ran more than CJ ran at Ohio State. But after that injury against Clemson, they were kind of like, nah, we're not going to do this anymore. We have we have easier ways of, you know, we have superstars at running back at, at wide receiver. There's no reason to risk exposure to our quarterback taking those hits. But against Georgia, when you saw someone that was a little bit outmanned D-line versus O-line, you saw what he's capable of doing. And he's going to have to do some of that this year in Houston because the interior of that O-line is good, but it's not as good as their tackles are. And against some of the better fronts in the league, there are going to be times where he's going to be asked to run around and make something happen. And you've seen Bryce Young do it at Bama because he had to. He didn't have the receivers at Bama to to do it. So you watched him do it, and you assume that one of them is much better at this than the other. But one was asked to do it all the time. The other one really only had one or two games where they had to do it. And I think it's hard to get that last impression out of your mind of a player, no matter when it was. And that last impression of CJ against Georgia is going to be the reason that a lot of people kind of expect more from him than they would have without that game. And I don't think that's necessarily fair or unfair. It's just we ha- we're we all victims of recency bias. And what you saw him do against Georgia is absolutely number one overall caliber play. And if Houston can, can kind of draw that out of him more often, it's a really dangerous team towards the end of the year when they start to figure out who their go-to guys are, how they want to run plays, what CJ does best. As they kind of figure that out week 12 and beyond, this could be a really dangerous team that potentially gets really gives some playoff teams some scares. This is a team that I hate. Okay, I do not respect their front office, their franchise at all. I don't respect ownership. I don't respect anybody there. And I am terrified to take the under. Just understand that. Terrified. It's, 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 it's just a dangerous situation. And when you pull up the schedule, like, ah! So when you look at the odds to win the Super Bowl, 
the next underdog on the list, because Jacksonville's the favorite, spoiler alert, is actually Tennessee. And Tennessee is in a transitionary rebuilding year. They went out and they drafted Will Levis early in the second round. They want him to be their quarterback of the future. They did not replace Robert Woods or really anyone at the number two wide receiver position. The whole team is in transition. And yet the odds that I'm seeing, like when when I'm looking at the uh, over-under win total for the season, I'm surprised. Right? I'm surprised. When you look at the odds just to win the AFC South, the Titans on BetMGM are plus 375. The Colts are plus 550. So it's flipped. It's like the Colts have this upside allure in Anthony Richardson, which ratchets up their, their odds to win the Super Bowl. But when people are betting who's going to win the AFC South, it's much more pragmatic and upside is factored in less. And it's like, listen, the, the Colts are just not as good as the Titans. And I question that. When I look at the over-under win total, I see the Titans are projected to win a couple more games than the Colts. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with this odds disparity uh, for the division. What is impressive about the Titans? What is the reason? What is the actual reason? The personnel-based reason. The players on the field. How are they going to win more games than the Texans or the Colts? Explain this to me. Their best hope is Mike Vrabel wins coach of the year and Derrick Henry runs for 2,000 yards. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The first name you were able to give, I specifically said, Anand, I specifically said player or players. And the first name that you listed was Mike Vrabel. And that says it all. That said, that's the narrative driving these odds and why this is an easy under to me. This is when, when the coach is the reason it's an easy under. They have the worst secondary in the league. Roger McCrary is their primary cornerback and he had a negative coverage rating on playerprofiler.com coverage rating looks at yards of separation at target looks at defended passes and and creates you know and and target rate okay so target rate is very important on a per route basis how often is this cornerback being targeted so you look at the target rate you look at the separation and you look at the passes defended and he was in the negative column, right? So he's not a highly ranked corner. Other corners on this roster include Sean Murphy Bunting, Christian Fulton, Trey Avery, Elijah Moulton, Caleb Farley, Chris Jackson. Some of these players were injured last year. They're going to be back this year. I wish them all the best. But none of these cornerbacks are impressive. And when you look at the totality of the secondary, you, you have to tell yourself a story about how Mike Vrabel is going to make it all okay. And in today's NFL, you go to war with the secondary, you're going to lose games, a lot of games. It's, it's tough because they, the team that they were two years ago was so well built around playing complementary football. The offense protected their defense a lot. And when the offense was incapable, the defense stepped up in big moments. I don't know that they have that anymore. I don't know that Tannehill can put on the superhero cape. I don't know that Will Levis is going to come in and change life. 
the the loss of AJ Brown is significantly. I mean, you saw it last year. Is absolutely significant for this team. Do you know who the number two wide receiver is across the? But not the slot receiver. Who's the Who's the number two outside receiver? that's going to be starting in two receiver sets. It's going to be playing most snaps for the Titans. You know his name? I, it's Nick Westbrook Akine. Yeah, it's Nick Westbrook Akine. That's right. And just to remind everybody, Will Levis played in eleven games last year, had twenty four hundred passing yards, eight point five. Yards per attempt, 65% completion percentage, and less than 20 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And he took a lot of sacks. A lot of sacks. A lot. He's athletic. He's interesting. He's raw. He's fun. And maybe in 2024, he'll be an interesting guy that we can get behind. But that guy as a rookie is not someone I'm interested in. In fact, it's a, it's a warning sign that how many how many games do you think that Tannehill is going to start? Four, five, and and what is Tannehill throwing to Nick Westbrook Akine? But a loss anyway. It's tough out there, man. This team looks like a loss machine. It's it, they're gonna. The thing is, I think because of the way they play, the style of football that they attempt to play, they're gonna be in a lot of games. They kind of remind me of last year's Bears in a sense that the way that they play is going to lead to a lot of close games, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have the capability to actually go win those games. It's just a lot of running the clock on you. They're going to be ugly. They're going to try to win ugly. I just don't know that they have the horses to do that. They don't have anything close. They're likely to lose more games than they win. Yeah. The odds of them finishing last are just as good as Houston. I don't understand why anyone thinks that they're so much better than Houston. They're not. They're not. The line is just is seven and a half, and it's negative odds to take the under. Like You have to pay a lot of extra juice to take the under, whereas the over is plus odds. Like, and this is one where I agree with everybody. Like, unlike the Houston Texans, where I'm like terrified, like, hey, the public is and the smart money is rushing to the under. Eh. With Houston, that's I, I'm scared with Houston. With Tennessee, I, there's nothing to fear. What are you worried about? They didn't just go get CJ Stroud. They, you're worried about Derrick Henry? You're worried about their running back beating you? The worry is basically if if you if you take the under on Tennessee, what you're really worried about is that Houston and Indy don't take the step and they go three and one in those games. That's really I. That's the way. If they're gonna ever, if they're gonna get to eight wins, that's the way they get there. I don't see I it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Jinx. I don't see it, man. I don't. I don't see it. In fact, I'm, I just want to motor past this team. No one wants to hear about this team. They're not interesting. They're going to be losing games, and that's actually good for Traylon Burks. So the one player I like from this team for fantasy football is Traylon Burks because they're going to be losing more games than I think the public believes. Now, part of this over-under win total is driven by the schedule. Remember, their schedule is also easy because it's an AFC South schedule, and they play other AFC South teams plus they cross against the NFC South. So they have at New Orleans, which is winnable. They have against Atlanta, which is winnable. They're at Tampa, which is winnable. 
They have Carolina, which is winnable. So you, you, you're coming into it with these four winnable NFC South games. That's the that's the luxury that all these AFC South teams have. That that's baked into both sides of the win totals. And obviously, when we talk about the NFC South, we'll we'll also discuss that because these win totals are a little inflated for all of them, just based on who they play. There there there's going to be a game between Tampa and Houston that someone has to win. Yeah. <laughs> Teams like Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans can exceed expectations this year. Yeah. There's more room for Atlanta and Carolina to exceed expectations than Tennessee. And the the team that you're probably interested in here, if someone's going to jump out way above their win total, is probably Indy. Yeah, Indy is the team. Indy's the team I want to talk about because this this is the 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 polar opposite team from the Tennessee Titans. This is a team that went out and aced the draft. I mean, uh, uh, on the defensive line uh, from my alma mater, they they were able to get Edadibatoma Edabaware, who is the most athletic defensive lineman in the draft. Just the smashiest smash pick at the beginning of the fourth round I've ever seen. Number one athleticism score among defensive linemen. Number one athleticism score in the 2023 class across all positions. If there's an Aaron Donald in this class, it's this guy. And the uh, the, the funniest part is I'm not even sure that he's the best pick they made in day three. <laughs> No, they had so many great picks. What an incredible draft. When they got Julius Brents, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, pinch me. Pinch me. Pinch me. He's back. Chris Ballard's back. This was Chris Ballard pulled his pants down and put his penis on the table with this NFL draft. This was incredible. I'm so proud of everything they've done. And they, they have guys like uh, Deo uh, uh, Adaba Ingbo, who is, is also one of these underrated edge rushers that they're going to bring in and, and, and rush the pass or pressure the quarterback with guys that aren't the most premium blue chip caliber players. But they also have those guys, those pro ballers like Shaq Leonard. And then Julius Brents, Darius Rush, they addressed the weakness. They did the thing that Tennessee refused to do, right? Caleb, I mean, Caleb Farley, right, from two years ago, that's how you're going to address the problem? That's not enough. They're throwing resources at their secondary in Indianapolis. And Julius Brents is one of the best cornerbacks in this class, certainly a top five cornerback in this class. I think top three. I think he was top three. I mean, because he was absolutely blotting out the sun at the Senior Bowl. So just the improvements that they've made. Look at the offensive line picks they made: Bernard Raymond and Blake Freeland. It was just how you can't beat it. You can't beat the way that they created depth across all these key positions. Edge, offensive line was a masterstroke. A masterstroke. And it's going to have a huge impact this year. And the quality of those draft picks is not being factored into their win totals. And it's not being factored into their odds to win the Super Bowl. The only thing that's helping their odds to win the Super Bowl, pushing them down, pushing the payout down, is 
100% Anthony Richardson, which was also a great pick, right? That was the upside pick in the draft. We could be looking up in three years, and he is the class of this draft. He is the Josh Allen from this class. I'm expecting it. Anthony Richardson, for me, the way that they're going to surround him long-term with pieces is going to make his chances of hitting here as opposed to other landing spots significantly greater. And I think they know Michael Pittman Jr. is a really good football player, but he's more of a 1B than a 1A for a Super Bowl contender. They're going to address that eventually. They already, but they address every position. Don't you understand? They went and hoarded picks, and they also got Josh Downs. Josh Downs is not a number one. I, I know that, right? But it's just... You can go position by position, and they turned over a, an ace in the draft at every position. If we go back, this is the 2022 Seattle draft class. But in this case, they replaced the Geno Smith, which we thought was a known quantity. In fact, he was not. He was significantly better than anybody thought. What if Anthony Richardson is better than anyone thinks he can be as a rookie? Because remember, one of the things that's forgotten about, Jonathan Taylor battled injuries all of last year. Oh, yeah. If you get Jonathan Taylor back, you get that offensive line back to what it was. It's No, it's going to be back to better than it's ever been. It, they had problems at guard. They addressed that. They did. So now you're looking at what we thought was one of the best offensive lines in the league two years ago. They're getting replacement pieces that are potentially better than those. You're getting an all pro caliber running back back. You're getting an actual number two receiver in downs. You have a one B in Pittman. There's an assortment of tight ends that have ridiculous athletic profiles littered across that roster. But the thing that no one's talking about here is Anthony Richardson is going to extend drives in a way that a number three receiver cannot, just with his rushing. And the problem that's going to create is the Bears' defense last year was horrendous. God-awful. The Colts' defense is not. If they score the way that the Bears were able to score last year, offensively, and you've got to remember, these are better pieces than Justin Fields was given. If you add that kind of athletic profile at quarterback and you can project some of the rushing, I'm not saying he's running for a thousand yards like Justin Fields did. I don't think that's reasonable. And I quite frankly, I don't think that's necessary here. But if you just get close, if you get 60% of those rushing yards, if you get those on key third downs, if it's third and two and you're a defensive coordinator and you've got to decide, am I going to commit resources to stopping Anthony Richardson running the ball, Jonathan Taylor running the ball, or that quick slant to Michael Pittman, you're in much more of a bind than they ever were last year against Justin Fields and company. This has the chance to be a really good team that may not actually show up in wins and losses. They may not go 11 and six. They may not go 10 and seven, but I think this is the team that you look at for 2024 and go, whoa, they could really do what Jacksonville did last year, which is take the leap from this team is rebuilding. What are they to, okay, now add the pieces and go make a Super Bowl run. There is an incredible bet just a straight bet on BetMGM that I love, and that's the Colts to win the division plus 550. 
The Colts win the division plus 550, where the Jags are minus 165. You're like, well, it's, it's wasted money. No, no. Betting the Colts to win the Super Bowl is wasting money. This is not wasting money at all because this is the big difference. When you look back at last year's standings, the Colts finishing third where the Jags finished first, given the state of the AFC and how top-heavy it is, it has really set the Colts up to take down the division this year. Because look at who they're playing. They're crossing a game against the NFC West. They face Los Angeles. In that one cross against the AFC, the NFC West, who are the Jags facing? The 49ers. That's probably a loss for the Jags, probably a win for the Colts against the Rams. You go down the board. Again, you have all those teams that they're facing uh, in the NFC South. But then you've got these other games against Pittsburgh. You have games against Las Vegas. So it, they, they, they play a team and they cross against the AFC West. It happens to be Las Vegas because Las Vegas actually finished third in the division last year. And that's who the Colts are crossing against. Well, who <laughs> Anand, who won the AFC West last year? That would be Kansas City. Right? So you have all these instances where, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> the Jags have to face the Bills. The Jags have to face the Chiefs. The Jags have to face the Bengals. So does everybody in the AFC South. Whereas, okay, the Colts get to face the Patriots the worst team in the AFC East. They get to face the Raiders. They're going to be the worst team in the AFC West. So taking the Colts just to beat their win total is, I think, a a smash bet, right? And then taking the Colts to win the division, if you're looking for a little more upside, is also interesting. It's a little bit more of a long shot. It's much more of a long shot, of course. We know it's much more. It's plus five fifty. Of course, it's much more of a long shot. But when you, but in terms of value, there's a lot of value there because I don't see how the Titans or the Texans can compete for this division. So it really comes down to Jags versus Colts. It's really we we, we talked about this in previous shows. It becomes a binary decision, and the line is. Six and a half, but it's heavily weighted to the negative side, but they're negative odds to go over. And this is one of those instances where I'm happy to seed some extra juice to the sports book to go over six and a half. On Caesars, for example, it's minus 125. Happy to take that. Smash the over. You're not getting a one for one payout. That's okay. This is one of the most improved teams in the league at positions that matter. It's a smash. Now, on BetMGM, this is something that's very interesting. They have a particular type of bet that you can do, and this is why everyone should be signing up for BetMGM. You get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if you don't win with promo code UNDERWORLD. Talk about the Quinella for the AFC South that you can bet on BetMGM. So they call it dual forecast, but essentially one and the same. Um, and you can for every division, choose the two teams that you think will finish 1-2 in the division. And surprisingly, Colts-Jags is plus 200. Jags-Titans is plus 115. Bro, 
plus 200, double your money and double up. Yep. And then you can bet Jags for, and then you can also bet it straight or they call it straight forecast, which is first and second. And you can go first Colts and then Jags is plus 750, which is. That's what you would do. That's actually even better than just Colts plus 550. And then Jags Colts in order is plus three, 325. Jags Colts is what? Plus 325. That's another smash. All of those exactas and quinellas in the AFC South with the Jags on top, with the Colts, and the Colts on top with the Jags, those are all great bets. I think so, too. I think that that's, and that to me, that's the way that I would play Jags to win the division is I would go with the, you know, basically the exacta of Jags to finish first, Colts to finish second, because I don't think that, that the Titans or, or the, the Texans have the horses to get to where the Colts can get. I'm not saying they absolutely will get there, but they don't have the horses to get where the Colts can go if everything clicks into place. I mean, the Titans would need Will Levis to dramatically exceed expectations in year one. And that's just far-fetched to me. That's far-fetched. I think that he can develop into something good. But it's far-fetched to think that someone that maxed out at eight and a half yards per attempt and never got to 3,000 passing yards in college and never had a touchdown-interception ratio above two to one, it's just far-fetched to me. I can't, I can't get my head around that possibility. I know it's possible, but it's hard to get my head around. I think he would have to be rookie Cam Newton to get that team to 10 wins. I don't see it. I, I don't either. I mean, it's, it's, it's within the range of outcomes, but it's such far, so far an outlier that it's really not anything that I think is really, truly possible. But it's, um, it, there is a chance. But it's not one that I, that's really worth discussing. Is there any other scenario when Tannehill takes the job seriously and he exceeds expectations and he keeps Will Levis on the bench the whole season because he's so good? I mean, what? That or just decimating injuries to the entire division is really the only thing that I can think of. Like, you know, basically war of attrition style. Somebody has someone go down every week, one through five, and then, you know, you're you're left to clean up the mess. I mean, that's that's really the that's really a lot of the way that Seattle was able to do what they did last year was, you know, in the division, the Rams and the Cardinals being absolutely horrendous. And I think that that's kind of the Colts formula here, which is two of these teams that are going to be a little bit worse than people think they are, or in in the Texans' case, I think a little bit better. But I don't think that the Texans have enough to go head-to-head with the Colts and consistently beat them. So at worst, that's a split. I think the Titans are at worst for the Colts a split. They've been – Jacksonville has had all kinds of trouble with the Colts, man, just forever. But it's just a fun team. It makes sense. This division is just wacky and weird, and really no no part of this division is about 2023. All of it's about 24 and beyond, other than, to no one's surprise on this show, but to surprise everywhere else, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right, right. And with the Colts, Anthony Richardson, he actually had more yards last year than Will Levis, okay? And an equally, you know, 
underwhelming touchdown interception ratio understood but both quarterbacks had nothing to work with no weapons whatsoever it's just that Anthony Richardson instead of having negative rushing yards because of taking all those sacks Anthony Richardson was was a huge positive in the running game and he was able to get the ball out more quickly and w- was a faster decision maker and and processor than Will Levis at age 21 well he wasn't even 21 he was age 20 so think about this. Last year when he was processing and, and making better on-field decisions than Will Levis, Richardson was 20. Will Levis was 23. The, the, the concern that there is for Levis has been well-documented. But I think people are misunderstanding what Anthony Richardson is. That's right. A lot of people have, have applied the label of raw. And I don't disagree, but it's not that something needs fixing. He just needs more reps. He just hasn't done it enough. The trajectory could be like this, in which case he's he's really good and 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 they lose a bunch of games because he makes some some bad decisions. But in just in case, you bet the Colts, just in case the trajectory is more like this. Yeah. The this really special part about Anthony Richardson's game is usually when you have an athletic profile like that, when you are that much of a super athlete, you you can't really throw in a you know in a in a motion that's consistently repeatable that can be accurate that's mechanically sound. He has put it together though. This is not Tim Tebow. This is more in the vein of a Josh Allen, a Justin Fields. Now, I don't want to compare him to them as passers because Fields was the most accurate charted quarterback in maybe in college football history. He's way up there. And Josh Allen was a known project that got the particular coaching that he got and developed some things that I don't even think Anthony Richardson needs to develop. But those are the two end points that you can look at. It's the athleticism of a Justin Fields type quarterback paired with the size and the strength of a Josh Allen type arm. And you're looking at this kid as, hey, he's really raw. We need to tweak things about him. It's really not that. He just needs reps. He hasn't had enough of them. And the prob- the, the, the downside, if you want to call it that, is exactly what happened to Carson Wentz, which is he didn't have enough snaps at a proper level of the sport, and he learned too many bad habits. The goal this year is to let Anthony Richardson be exactly who he is, just like they let Josh Allen do that in Buffalo in year one. Just let him be exactly who he is. Don't try to change anything about him. Just teach him what he doesn't know. That's it. That's the only thing that you want to do if you're an indie this year. Just teach him what he doesn't know. Don't ask him to be a drop-back passer exclusively. Don't ask him to exclusively be a runner. Teach him how to play quarterback and let him use his gifts when that isn't there. Don't turn him into a single-read guy. Don't don't prioritize winning in 2023 over what he can be long-term if you let him go through the growing pains of actually learning how to play quarterback at the NFL level. And I think he's got the right people around him to do that. That's why we're all so high on him. This is a profile of player that you just don't see. They don't have 
six four quarterbacks that are two hundred forty pounds that run a four four. They don't exist. This is the guy you created in Madden, and for a long time we thought that was Josh Allen. He profiles as even more athletic than Josh Allen is. I love the fact that they're getting their difficult games out of the way early. Jacksonville and Jacksonville are in the first six weeks. Week one and week six against Jacksonville, they've got at Baltimore out of the way. Week three, they finish. Indianapolis is going to finish. Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Las Vegas, Houston. They could go 4-0 in December. You want to have some upside in best ball? Anthony Richardson having those last four? Who, buddy. That could be a really, really, really fun stretch. On the underdog schedule, it's Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Las Vegas to close it out for Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson with Michael Pittman. Anthony Richardson with Josh Downs. Anthony Richardson with Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods, hyper-athletic, tight end. The, the, the Colts are back, making the, the right decisions, focusing on the right details with their front office. It makes me so happy. I should have maintained more faith in Chris Chris Ballard after all these quarterback debacles, but the you know the, the Matt Ryan acquisition on the heels of the Carson Wentz acquisition really broke me. Hopefully now they're they're back. It's an exciting time, man. It's an ex- if you're a fan of the Colts, just enjoy it. And the irony is that the way that the Titans could potentially win the division is with massive injuries striking the Jacksonville Jaguars and then Anthony Richardson just not being being ready, being raw and Levis actually outplaying him and then you can see okay, here's how the this is this is the way the Titans can win the division. But actually, they don't have a lot of depth. It's the Titans that lack the depth. It's the Titans that actually have are the least prepared to absorb injuries and withstand them. On, on so many levels, the, the Titans are a weak team, and they're being buoyed by a coach, and that is always just a, a terrifying proposition. And the the Jags are coming, man. Things are coming together for the Jags. I'm excited about the Jags. To me, Trevor Lawrence, and we said this last year too, we begged you. He was basically QB 16, something in there last year. We begged you to go get him. We saw this coming. Having a real head coach matters. Having a Super Bowl head coach really, really matters. There is a there is an unquantifiable it that having absolute faith in your quarterback brings to a team. I don't know how many of those we have in the league, but I don't know how many teams go down 27 to 0 in their first playoff game ever and then come back and win that game knowing that you're going to Casey and Arrowhead and then give Casey an in Arrowhead an actual fight. The Jacksonville Jaguars are terrifying. And the reason they're terrifying is they know exactly who they are. They know what they're good at. And their coach is capable of figuring out ways mid-game to beat the things that you're asking them to beat. Trevor's second half against the Chargers is the best Jags QB half ever, maybe? If not, it's close. Like This is the kind of player that transforms an organization. 
But they didn't just stop there. They got him actual receiving weapons. Calvin Ridley's coming back. And if he is what he was in Atlanta, which, again, two years off is a long time for anybody. We know that. Acknowledge that. But if he can go back to being that true number one and then allows Kirk to be the two, Zay Jones to be the three, look out, man. I I don't know who in this division is really going to challenge them this year. Going forward, obviously, we think that, that a lot of teams in this division can. But look around the AFC and tell me who you believe in significantly more than Jacksonville. Because the list is KC, Cincinnati, we think Buffalo, and then it's just everybody fighting after that. There's more than a zero chance that the Jags are that fourth team, and dare I say maybe even that third team that pushes one of those one or twos. I really think that this is a chance. They have a legitimate chance to fight through the AFC this year. Do I think they're going to do it? No, but I think they can. Well, then I have an easy bet for you. Bet MGM plus two uh, plus twenty five hundred twenty five to one twenty five to one on Bet MGM for the Jaguars to win the Super Bowl. That's a better payout than what they're giving on the Dolphins, which is twenty to one. The Lions twenty to one. Ravens eighteen to one. Jets eighteen to one. I'll take Jacksonville over all those teams. Trevor Lawrence is my personal vote. Uh, I think you have like an A tier and a B tier of MVP candidates. You know, you've got the Mahomes, the Burrows, the Hurts, that whole crew. And then you've got the guys that are right behind them. Burrow is my pick of the top tier just because I don't think they'll give it to Mahomes again. I think they're bored, which is sad. It's a narrative-based award. And we talked last time about how I think it should be called Player of the Year instead of MVP if you want to give it out that way. It's fine. Um but Lawrence is my pick among that next tier of guys. I think this is the year that you see him go from, wow, that was a really fun end of stretch last year, you know, where they won, what is it, seven or eight games in a row at the end of last season. That was one of the hottest teams in the sport. Cincinnati and, and Jacksonville were basically on a collision course. Nobody could beat them. Nobody could beat either of them from basically November on. Um, but the special part about this team is that head coach, that quarterback, they've surrounded them with a lot of pieces. We liked a lot of the moves that they've made. This is decisively so, and with good reason, the favorite in the AFC South, which means they will get a home playoff game against somebody if they win that division as they should. And the question that you have to ask is, is there a chance that there's enough on their schedule to get them to the two seed. And that sounds crazy, but you have to consider the Bills are playing the Dolphins, the Pats, the Jets in division. The Bengals have to play a reloaded Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns in their division. And Kansas City's got, even though we know what what a stranglehold they've had on that division, everyone in that division save for Vegas has gotten better. The Jags are the one real contender in the AFC that relatively gets it easy in their division. And I wonder if that propels them to enough wins to get maybe two games at home and somehow we get the Jags in an AFC championship game again, like we saw in Cincinnati two years ago. Anything can happen. 25 to 1. 
25 to 1, 25 to 1. And we talked about it in the last show. The, the, the greatest disparity between the MVP, the quarterback, and their MVP odds, and the, the, uh, the team, it's actually the Chargers. So Herbert on BetMGM is 9 to 1. Lawrence is 14 to 1. But the odds of the Chargers to win the Super Bowl is actually even longer odds. I think they're plus 2,800, 28 to 1 versus the Jags, 25 to 1. But so the Chargers are a great bet based on that rule of thumb. And then the next bet would be Jacksonville, where it's 25 to 1 on the Jags to win the Super Bowl, but it's 14 to 1 on Lawrence to win MVP. I think the best part about betting Jacksonville this year is everyone else in their division is breaking in a new quarterback. <laughs> like You already did that work. You, you're done. We know what Lawrence is. It's a great point. Lawrence is a known quantity. That team is a known quantity. The only the, the team that stopped their run last year of winning, what is it, seven or eight games in a row, is the team that won the Super Bowl. There is so much to like about what they do. And I think it was maximized in that game that they came back and beat the Chargers. Because forever, we had kind of waited for the Chargers to lay the lay the hammer down on somebody. What Cincinnati did to Buffalo and Buffalo last year, right? That's what we were waiting for the moment that the Chargers took a team that, that that's in their class and just beat them over the head. And that's what we thought they were going to do to Jacksonville in that first half. And the adjustments made in that second half by Doug Peterson, by Trevor Lawrence, won them that game and should should absolutely give you confidence that going forward, not only can they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, they can beat Super Bowl caliber teams. Like the lines that they're gonna set for Jacksonville and and Kansas City and Jacksonville Buffalo, Jacksonville, Cincinnati may surprise you a bit because they're not going to be as short. Uh, they're going to be shorter than you think. And this team is really well positioned to steal a number one, number two seed the way that the Titans did two years ago, where there were significantly better teams than them when we all knew that in their divi- like within the, the AFC, but they were just playing much better teams week in, week out than Tennessee was. And we saw what happened when Cincinnati went there and beat them. I think something similar could happen with Jacksonville this year. The difference is this team isn't fraudulent. No, no. And the front office is good. I mean, Jacksonville fans are going to enjoy a lot of success because look at what the move, look at these moves. Jacksonville owned Buffalo in the first round, absolutely owned them. The Bills are tilting. They decide to trade up two picks because they think that someone's going to steal Dalton Kincaid out from under them. <laughs> like, what? At least they are worried about Dallas taking Dalton Kincaid, right? So they were all paranoid about Dallas taking Dalton Kincaid. Dallas is like, we're, we're going interior lineman, dude. We're going interior run stuffer, Mazzy Smith. I don't know what you're talking about. We're not going to tight end here. Jacksonville trades down two picks, and they get the guy they were going to draft anyway in Anton Harrison, the guy that Buffalo should have drafted. Like, if Buffalo had traded up to get Anton Harrison, that would have made more sense. But instead, you get to get a mammoth tackle dog at, at, at pick 28. Just a, a, a great, I mean, if you were from a small school, I'd love it even more. But I mean, that was a great pick. And you go down the board. Do you see Jacksonville trading up? No. What are they doing? They're trading down. They traded down with the Bears, they traded down with 
The Bills. And no, I don't like the Tank Bigsby pick, but that's okay. Not every pick by every team is perfect. Their process for trading down tells you that they focus on the right details and that they're valuing picks and players at particular positions properly. And that's just an incredible signal for the fact that they're they're making good free agent acquisitions. They're making great draft picks. They're improving the team in the process. So you have young players developing in parallel with just the the front office improving the team overall in free agency and in the draft. This is a very difficult team to beat. Do I think the Colts are going to beat them? Absolutely not. Is there a chance? Do I love those odds of the Colts t- taking them down just based on all the improvements of the Colts made? Yeah, I think, like I said, I, I like that bet. Uh, just based on the odds of the Colts to win the division. But I also love Jacksonville. And I think Jacksonville is a lock to finish one or two, most likely one. And I also like Jacksonville to win the Super Bowl. This is a great division from which to extract value on Jacksonville, on Indianapolis, even on Houston. Right, Even on Houston, the one team that we're fading here is Tennessee. If you look at some of these lines that are out, they're always fun to go through this time of the year. Casey is at Jacksonville. It's a three-point line for Kansas City. You've got Jacksonville at Buffalo. Buffalo's favored by three and a half. You've got the Niners coming to Jacksonville. San Fran's a one-point favorite. (sighs) Bengals at Jags. Cincinnati's a one-point favorite. Ravens at Jags. Baltimore, one-point dog. Cleveland hosts Jacksonville, one-point game in favor of Cleveland. They're telling you what you don't want to believe, which is this team is absolutely for real and among the actual contenders that can win it. They could go 14-3. and I would be surprised by it. Of course you would be surprised by it. But I wouldn't be shocked. That's probably the most plausible long shot win total, right? I think that that's the, 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 the most games they could possibly win is 14, but the fact that they could win 14 games, that that is in their range of outcomes. For a lot of teams, not you know that's not in their range of outcomes. To take the over, right, on Caesars, to go over 10 wins is minus 110. That's a smash. At worst, at worst, even they, they could lose the division like we talked about by going nine and eight because of injuries. Okay, that's possible, but in most scenarios, they're going to go ten wins or more, and you're either going to push or you're going to take that bet down on Caesars. I don't know why is Caesars offering even win total lines where I'm seeing all nine and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half, eight and a half, and then randomly Caesars has nines and tens. Sometimes they try to protect themselves with likely outcomes um, in terms of we would just void all nine win bets because, um, you know, some like risk more than others. But the really strange part that's being added to a lot of these tickets this year is something that actually I think we should discuss briefly. All of your passing yards leaders, all of your rushing, or rushing yards leaders, receiving yards leaders tickets were voided last year. Because the Bengals and the Bills did not play 17 games, so we had an in and we had an odd amount of data. You can't basically crown someone the winner. So even if you had won that bet, even if you know you had a Justin Jefferson, for example, they voided all of those. So there's language this year that's in every bet. It's going to be fun that says you know must 
play at least X amount for action or, you know, their creative ways basically of saying if they go over and they don't play their full schedule of games, avoiding the ticket, be careful of that. But some sports books are just more risk averse than others and would rather hang a 10 and basically force you to commit one way or the other to do you, do you believe in 11 versus nine or are you just taking the basic range of outcomes in this area? And obviously it depends on book by book. Everyone's language is a little bit different. Some paid out, some did not. It's just, you know, know what the language is in your book before you bet that particular stuff. But it's a fun market, man. And it's also a great time to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Yeah, it is. It's a great time to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. And it's a great time to be uh, getting action on the AFC South. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's also a great time to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Yeah, it is. It's a great time to be a Jacksonville Jaguar, and it's a great time to be uh, getting action on the AFC South. Going 3-14 and 14 is kind of hard to do. Uh, Deo uh, uh, Adaba Ingbo. Dog. This team looks like a loss machine. It's tough out there, man. Chris Ballard pulled his pants down and put his penis on the table with this NFL draft. Dog. It becomes uh, a uh, a uh, uh, what's the uh, uh, where there's just two choices. Binary decision, basically. Yeah, it be- it becomes a binary decision. Is is it? You want to have some upside in best ball. Anthony Richardson having those last four. Who, buddy. And we're not going to have a first round pick. That's just front office malpractice. The best Jags QB half ever, maybe. Jags Colts is what? This is one of the most improved teams in the league at positions that matter. Jags Colts is what?
Chris Ballard put his penis on the table with this NFL draft. 